It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. All right, I'm excited about this one. So I'm excited about this one for a lot of different reasons. One, right, I am a leadership kind of... What's a good word? What's a good word to describe me soaking in leadership info nonstop? What's the word I'm looking for, Zach? Sponge, leader. No. Okay, you're no help. All right, so <laughs> student of leadership. Yeah, that's. I'm looking for something more dynamic, but that than that. But that. But yeah. thank you. Okay, I love leadership book. Leadership books. I, I love the podcast. I love soaking it in. But the thing is, when you read enough leadership books, it feels like you're reading the same thing, just written in a different way. And then every so often, something comes along that just connects with your heart, that like draws out everything that you were thinking and feeling, and you didn't know how to express in words, but you're just reading something and you're right, that's right, this is it, this is all that's, this is all I need to focus on, and this is it. Right? You've had those moments? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like there was a right way of doing it the entire time. Like you were designed this way and you were living out of alignment with that design. And then boom, you know, you find out, oh man, I should have been doing this the entire time. So with that said, we are excited to have with us Chris Maroff, author of the new book, Align, right? CEO of alignment leadership um uh, you're you've you've done so many different things um in business in ministry in the education system and your heart for leadership is so right on and that's what we kind of want to just dive into and get get into the tangible aspects mm-hmm. of what you're doing so man welcome thanks guys for having yeah. me yeah. yeah yeah glad to be here so um let's talk about a little bit your backstory, yeah. Man. Like, where, like, where, where are you coming from with your perspective on leadership? Yeah, actually, I echo a lot of what you mentioned as far as being kind of a student of leadership. Um, kind of foisted into it uh, at a young age with my parents uh, in running our company. Um, and you know, when you have a company of three and uh, two of them are your parents, you get a real distinct idea of what leadership is, um, and that is to be a good follower. Mm. Um, and so for me, I've been chasing leadership uh, my entire career. Um, it has uh, really defined uh, every decision I've made mm-hmm. is um, really how do I assess my leadership effectiveness? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that story has, has now spanned decades. I can't believe mm-hmm. uh, how old I am. But the reality <laughs> is um, that background is really a lot of trying and a lot of failing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, stepping out into leadership, only look over my shoulder and find out, guess what? Nobody's following. Yeah. Well, yeah. we've all been there. Biggest leadership fail. What comes to mind? Biggest leadership fail. I think I would point that back to um, inability to even lead my own parents in our company. Oh, that yeah. seems like a tough assignment, though. I don't know if I can yeah. lead my own parents. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough, man. Well, it's one of those, I, I call it the biggest leadership fail, um, 
because leadership should be foundationally based on relationship. Mm. And, um, you know, these are people that, of course, I grew up with, but um, there's a lot of trust um, already there. And uh, in my opinion, that trust should have been able to translate uh, into leadership, especially when they asked me to lead. Um, and then I, I couldn't seem uh, to lead the organization the way they were wanting me to ultimately couldn't lead them. Mm-hmm. So we all get the like learning from our own failures. Yeah. And what was the biggest aha moment you had in the journey of, of leadership? It was when um, I moved from New England to Texas, and um, I worked with a gentleman, uh, Jason Perkins, who just kind of embodied this concept of um, servant leadership. Uh, And his whole uh, mentality was, how do we um, get on the same page? And so through that process, he introduced me to a book called Gung Ho. And okay. yeah, seen the movie, haven't read the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> book way better than the movie. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um, uh, but this book, Gung Ho, really identified for me um, how do you, whether you're part of a two man team or a 200 person company, um, really feel like we're, we're on the same path toward the same destination. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first time I really figured out hey, there might be a way in which I don't need to use authority to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Well, so yeah. all that said, you talked about leadership success. How would you define success in leadership? Mm. Um, number one, having followers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having nice. people who are willing uh, to go on the journey with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever that journey is. Um, ultimately, it's not getting to a destination. It's getting to a destination with a group of people who were all determined to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've accomplished a lot professionally. Unfortunately, I accomplished a lot alone. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's really defining it, getting to a destination, a goal, a purpose, a milestone with the people I care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So let's dive into the, the, the nuts and bolts of the book. So um, the book title is a line for easy but not simple steps, Correct. right, yeah. to, you know, get in, uh, employee not um, engagement, fulfillment. Correct. Hmm. And you're very specific throughout the book that the goal is fulfillment. Yes. Right? And so you outline four steps, and we kind of want to dive into those because everybody listening is looking for those checks. What am I doing right and wrong? What should I be focusing on? You know, diving into the four things. So the first thing you hit in the book is this idea of creating culture. Yes. So... How do you view that? What, is, what does it mean to create culture? Well, culture has been one of those very elusive concepts in the business world for quite a while. Um, everybody talks about culture. Everybody preaches culture. Everybody's really seeking after culture. Unfortunately, and I've read a lot of leadership books. Um, I've even read a lot of uh, uh, books around culture, whether that's church culture or business culture, and it still feels very uh, pliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. so for me... Whether it's the right answer or the wrong, for me it works, which is to define culture, which is the sum of all the worldviews of the people who are on my team. Mm-hmm. And the world, somebody's worldview is really just looking back um, in their lives or looking forward in their life as it relates to five traits. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's getting very uh, concrete around culture and not leaving it uh, up to these ambiguous definitions of what culture is. Right. Right. And that, I think... 
And what I love is that when we hear, in the church world, when we hear worldview, we're thinking straight theology. Like, what is your belief system? But when you break down culture, in the book, you're talking about, no, 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 there's part of that. There's a belief system. Absolutely. But there's there's traditions, right? There's there's things that you've done in your life that are meaningful to you. There's values that you have as an individual, right? That, you know, that, that may be different from those around you. And then there's those beliefs. And so there's other elements. That's right. And, and most churches, businesses, leaders on the planet don't even think to get that granular. Mm-hmm. Why is that a mistake? When you don't get that granular, again, you don't come from a, a concrete position. You don't really have a foundation mm-hmm. uh, for understanding um, how your people think and why. And if you don't fundamentally understand that, um, you can't know how to connect to them in meaningful ways. Yes. So that's why those traits of my worldview, and these aren't the only traits, but these are the five traits that have the most influence into uh, how I conduct myself, uh, the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It it motivates um, action. It motivates how I look at the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know in the church world we say Jesus is in my heart, but grandma's in my bones. Mm-hmm. Just talking about all the tradition from your family, your culture, like where you live, how you carry all those things with you forward. That's right. I love how with culture you talk about how everybody plays a part. Everybody's adding to the culture, whether it's in a positive or a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's challenging. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I'll give you an example of that. So I, so I spent time in the corporate world. I spent time in the church world. And here's a quick example. Like one of the traditions that was important for me growing up was um, this idea of family gatherings, where it was a bunch of loudmouth Italians who just <laughs> shared whatever was on their mind, man. And it was raw, it was real, and you laughed, you cried, you got angry, but it was authentic. And, and those family gatherings formed a tradition that was important for me. I want to be around people that are that raw and real, because that's, that's, right. that's an extension of who I was. However, when I entered into the corporate world, I found out, no, if you're going to be that raw and real, you're not mm-hmm. going to last very long. Correct. Right? And in the church world, you might be accepted or tolerated, but you will be judged if you come out with stuff that's too raw and too real. That's right. So it was a struggle. That's right. It always is. Yeah. Um, when I think of the five traits of uh, our traditions, our preferences, our experiences, our hopes, and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. At any moment in time, we live out of one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one that generates the most movement, the most decisions that we can make is our beliefs. And so even though you might have had a tradition, mm-hmm. um, when push comes to su- shove, if you're going to have to give up one of those, that worldview, or alter that in order to accomplish a purpose, maybe a paycheck, right. mm-hmm. you're going to lay that aside. Yeah, Because a paycheck to be a man who takes care of his family right. was a belief that mm-hmm. trumped a tradition. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. However, if I can merge those two, if yes. I can get the paycheck and Absolutely. I can have the traditions, now we're tapping into that F word. That's right. Fulfillment. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. yeah which, which F word, Joe? You know, I got a lot of F words, <laughs> but this is a good F word. Okay. You know, mama, let me say this F word. <laughs> okay. So you can, you, you know, I think you're watching, you're listening to this. You can see, all right. I need to redefine what I think about culture, and you need to kind of press more into this with your people. But that's just step one, right? So then we, we take it to the next level, and we've, we've gotten to a place as leaders where we have a great pulse and we've really defined culture. And there's a lot of 
there's a lot of practicals and how yes. you do that in the book. But uh, uh, at some point, you get to a point where it's like, all right, we know who we are and where we're headed, our purpose. Yes. But now we've got to figure out what we do. You call that step two, prioritizing tasks. Yes. So yeah. what's the key there? What are we missing? Well, one of the things that we typically don't do in the business world is we don't evaluate how important it is um, to prioritize our time. So when we talk about prioritizing tasks, really that's kind of a buzzword way of saying, hey, how are you gonna spend every moment of every single day? We have Mm -hmm. to budget that time out. Mm -hmm. And so when you're budgeting that time out, how do you determine um, how you're gonna spend Mm -hmm. uh, those minutes, Mm -hmm. those hours? Mm -hmm. And if you can't correlate that back to a purpose, which again is uh, something that you've determined um, to make sure that you've defined your, your culture, then you really don't have a basis um, to be objective. Then it always is subjective. I mean, Mm. you've got employees who live in uncertainty about, hey, I think I'm supposed to work on this particular task. I hope my boss agrees with that. Mm -hmm. And so they might put their heart and soul into a task. They might even do it incredibly well. They, They hit a home run with that task. But their boss walks in and says, well, why are you working on that? I need you to work. On, I need you to be working on this. Mm-hmm. And so you've you've expended so much of yourself toward this task that somehow doesn't live up to the purpose that was set up for either for your role or that department or the company. Yeah, yeah. So you, we get to the point where where we've got the culture. We've we've looked at the task and said, all right, these are the must-haves. Yes. Right. These are the want to get twos. That's right. And these are the ones that will just be out of business tomorrow or we, we legally are bound to do. Right. Right. That's, that's how you're breaking those down. That's right. Right. You've got it aligned. But I think where I see it break down the most, yeah. and it's step three in your book, is like how do you align the resources to those tasks? Because a lot of times it's, it's all right, who's willing to do what? In the church world, it's mm-hmm. who's willing to right. do child care. In yeah. the business world, it's who's willing to do the TPN reports. I don't know who it, <laughs> what it is, but, it's, but you have a different view on that. Yeah, we really have to understand our resources, um, whether that's money or people. And people, um, much more difficult to understand than money. Money's black and white. Um, getting to know your folks um, really takes diving into that worldview we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes them tick? What are their passions? What um, gets them up in the morning? What excites them? What are they doing outside of work? Mm-hmm. And how can we leverage who they choose to be uh, in order to accomplish uh, these tasks as a team or individually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, know if, I know if you're listening, because when I, when I, a long time ago, when I was thinking along these lines, I felt like it was snuffed out because the reality of, man, I just got to get stuff done today and mm-hmm. I need bodies to do That's this right. work. Yeah. It, the tyranny of the urgent yeah. in a way suppressed my gut that was saying, don't do that. My gut was saying, look for more of that alignment. Look yeah. for more. And if I don't have the alignment, make that a priority. I've got tasks that I know need to get done, but I've got nobody that wants to do them. My job as a leader has to be to resolve that, you know, in some way, shape or form. But I was never taught that. I was never encouraged mm-hmm. to do that. It was more like a gut instinct of something I knew I should do, but then I didn't because I didn't see anyone else doing that around me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. the tyranny of the urgent is what, as a business leader, you feel actually is responsible. Yeah. Like you tie that to responsibility. 
Yeah. Well, I've got these things uh, we got to get done. We've got this project. We've got this deadline. We're going to throw bodies at it. And you know what? Maybe in that moment, maybe you need to do that. Yeah. But what it should tell you is what you should be doing between now and the next urgent or crisis that comes up. Because if you're not investing into those people to understand their soft skills, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to be always fighting this uphill battle to figure out what kind of hard skill you need. And then you basically industrialize human beings, yeah. mm-hmm. which to me as a human being would be the most unfulfilling thing yeah. is to walk in and be treated like a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been on both sides of that where I felt like I was just a spot on a schedule and my fulfillment was at an all time low. There was not enough money that you could pay me mm-hmm. for me to be excited to go into work that day. Yes. And then on the flip yeah. side to have all of those tasks and things that I felt like I had to do, but I'm just trying to plug somebody into that situation. Truth be told, if I really looked at those tasks, I realized a lot of them are sideways energy and things I shouldn't even be wasting time or people on. Yeah. You got and it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Zach, you've always been good at like really going deep and pressing into what people are passionate about doing and, and looking for that sort of alignment. Whereas mm-hmm. like I've always been quick to give up. If I don't show any, if they don't show signs of life, like, I'll, I'll just do know, it. I'm like, nah, I just, got, I'll just, just give it. me the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a, for, for more of a type A like me, that's really hard to, you've got to have patience. Yeah. You know, and that's where I think to your point in the book, these are simple concepts to understand, not simple concepts to walk out. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we let, warning is important. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, lo- we let responsibility or crisis dictate how we treat people. Mm. And yet, you know, we would hate to be treated that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as leaders, we're kind of taught that, you know, our team, they're our assets to get something done. But then, unlike any other asset that we would own, we just completely uh, mistreat them. Uh, We think that we can just throw enough of them at it, and it'll solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen people who have been working in one area of our company Um, And the leader frustrated with them because they're not getting enough out of them or they don't seem to care about the work. We've moved them to another department or a company and they've come alive and Mm -hmm. done 10 times the work. It was actually harder work, Mm -hmm. but they came alive because it was who they wanted to be. Um, It allowed kind of themselves to become full at work. Um, The job satisfaction went up. Fulfillment went up. Next thing you know, they're taking on even more uh, than they were the day before. So, yeah, putting the right person on the right task, the right team, the right, the right projects, uh, you can get 10 times the work out of every single person that works in the organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brilliant. And so the fourth step, my favorite personally, because this is what it's I... It's everyone's I, favorite, I, by yeah, the way. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six, creating success plans. Not performance reviews. Correct. Success plans. Yeah. Like, talk to us about that. Yeah, the first three steps allow employees to align um, to you and your organization, to your team, uh, most importantly, to your purpose. It kind of opens that door. It says, this is who I am. This is what the purpose is. Will you join me? And then the fourth step, you're reversing it. And you're saying, you know what? Because you've chosen to come with me on this journey, now I want to align to you. Mm -hmm. I want to figure out what does success look like to you? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to go? Um, career-wise, where do you want to go with your family? What kind of house do you want to live in? Uh, You want to invest and figure out from them what does this look like? What does this thing we call success look like? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people will come in and their first answer 
is they kind of outline a career path for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been amazing to watch as they align to us, the definition of their career success changes completely. Um, And so I love to watch and hear them figure out what that success looks like. You know, at first they might be all about money. Mm-hmm. They might be all about promotion. Um, but as they can become more and more connected, they align uh, to our purpose, our organizational purpose, their role's purpose. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know what I'm hearing? Hey, success looks like to me working with people that I love. Mm-hmm. Success looks like serving people that I love. Mm-hmm. And so I love to see how that arc changes. Yeah. Uh, and that's why that fourth um, step is so important. Mm-hmm. You got to keep asking those questions. You got to keep leaning in mm-hmm. so that they keep understanding for them what does success look like Mm -hmm. yeah that's good i think what you've written in this book is contagious and that culture that you guys have created is contagious it's ultimately why i sent my brother to work there (laughs) it's like soak this up he wants to go to school for business i said this is what you need to learn first and foremost before you think dollars and cents black and white like learn culture learn serving people like that is leadership absolutely Mm -hmm. yep um, there's so much of this we could go into detail on and ask and, and get into the details of it. But I think, you know, um, the heart of it is, and you say this over and over again, do you love people? It's right. about loving people, like truly loving people, right? Is you're creating, you, as you describe it, win-win scenarios. Like imagine the, a culture in your church, in your business, where your whole team not only loves working for you, they love their job, they love the purpose, yeah. and it becomes an extension of not work-life balance, but as you say in the book, work-life integration, right? It's yes. just that's where, that's where you get to the point of fulfillment. And I don't think there's a, a, a church ministry leader or a business leader out there that doesn't want to create that, but they are thinking, am I willing to put in the work to create that. Hmm. It, it is a choice to go down this path. But when you do, uh, I mean, it's, that's where breakthrough, I think, really happens. And, and to be frank, I think 10 years from now, if you're a leader not headed in this direction, yeah. you're not going to be able to win the right people that are going to take your organization anywhere. Yeah. You got right? it. So the, the sooner you get into this, the better. Um, this is all brilliant stuff. And so we're uh, so again, the book is Align. Um, yeah. You've you've created a consulting agency around this. Yes. So you've got the book. Um, you've got a team ready to walk people through this step by step. Uh, the website is alignleadthrive.com. That's it. Right? And so you want to go there. You want to look at the show notes. Um, you want to get information on this. Uh, and, and we're going to actually, we're going to have Chris back for another podcast Right after this, we're going to go back to back here. So in the next episode, we're really going to dive deep into the ministry world side of it and kind of catch your heart for the state of the church today and how specifically these concepts apply in the church world. So if, if you're loving what you're hearing, you've got, to, you've got to follow us in this next episode because it's, it's going to get even more real. So, Chris, thank you so much. And, yeah. uh, and we're, let's, let's do this again. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.